on this episode. Homeschooling's no ner- homeschoolers no nerdy shit. Yeah, that is true. But you don't I don't I don't I don't feel that you really know what a gorgon is to be making jokes about a gorgon. <laughs> well, look, if I had to know stuff to make jokes about it, I wouldn't have any jokes. <laughs> that's like a that's a rule. But like, like if if it's Are you being a wrist tattoo of- right now? <laughs> I mean Yeah, wait a second. Wait a second. You're calling out to me about knowing something. You got bitch on your wrist. Are you coming after me? everybody and welcome to another episode of No Country for Old Mark and Juan. I am your host Mark Pearson and according to the Israeli media, these are my two co-hosts who are on vacation. Uh-huh. <laughs> Juan Smith. <laughs> Adam Radliff. You know, I knew you were in league with with that uh, that squad. You've been trying to get in for a couple of years now. Maybe. Submit it. Maybe. Maybe I you're am. Done, you're done with America. Yeah, I am. You're sold on this Israeli military women. I am. Uh, has he told you about this? Uh, no, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today we also have a returning guest, a U.S. Army war veteran, sculptor, art instructor, and all-around amazing woman, Lenny Caston Miller. Hey, guys. What's up? How you be? Oh, fantastic. Thank you for asking. She's got the baddest fence in town. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Lenny was the only one that asked me how I was today, so screw you guys. <laughs> Mama guys, have right. a don't ask, guys have a don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> exactly. Hey, thank you. If you don't well, fucking tell me, I don't fucking care. Yeah, All right? you know, we, should, we should be teaming up on Mark on this one. Yeah, well, what are we, kids? Are we... I'm sorry, Brian. I didn't ask you how you were doing today. Yeah, we'll get you flowers next time we see you. Please do. Yes. I prefer tulips. We should go you would. You would. <laughs> it's got, I have to be orchids. Uh have to be uh, the rarest of rare. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh. Sorry, don't get her fired. Don't yeah, fired. don't get Lenny fired. <laughs> That's the goal of today's podcast, to not say something that will get Lenny fired. Well, then I will apologize now. I'm really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. You can find us on Facebook.com slash No Country Podcast. We're also on Instagram at No underscore Country underscore Podcast. We're also on Twitter at podcast underscore country. You can email us at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com, or you could leave us a voicemail like the anonymous guy last week at 346-291-0050. And I don't know about y'all, but I really enjoyed that voicemail. I think it was Adam. Give us some (laughs) details. Yeah. First off, my voice is so boring. I couldn't, I couldn't fake it. I and mean, you would know, like, instantly, it was synthesized. Like, oh, I listened, I listened to last week's podcast. It was synthesized. Like, I, I bet it was you, Adam. Well, actually, this, <laughs> this guy actually felt like his stepmom could possibly hear it, and he knew he was going to say something shitty about his stepmom. So he <laughs> was like, "I'm going to alter my voice." So I was like, "Okay, uh, do what you want, dude." <laughs> Look, number one, Catherine Radliff is a saint. That is my <laughs> only mother. <laughs> And I would never worry about her hearing something I said because I would never speak ill of my mom. If my mother wasn't deaf, I wouldn't be on here. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. 
Okay, well, today we are taking some time to celebrate Memorial Day, which is, you know, right here at the end of May, uh, to honor the men and women of our armed forces who have died in service to our country. Uh, to some Americans, Memorial Day is just a three-day weekend for barbecues and drinking beer, and it's also the unofficial start of summer. But for, I would say, probably most Americans, it's a solemn day to remember those who have fallen in service of our country. Uh, there are many people who visit cemeteries and memorials on Memorial Day to honor and mourn those who have died in military service. And also many volunteers take place to you know, take. Wow. Many volunteers place an American flag on each grave in national cemeteries. And yeah, one of Juan and I's close friend died in service to the country too. Ben, one of the most solid, you know, great, great friends I've ever had. And I know Juan and I miss him a lot. Look, I don't want to use, after that nice statement, I don't want to use this time to bash you, but the one time we're talking about praising the troops is when you get mush mouth. Yeah. I've heard you, you can talk about Roman six packs for two hours straight with no problem, but you try to say something nice about the troops. They, see, this goes back to his Israeli roots. He can't say anything nice about the U.S. He just, he, I see I see you, Mark. Yeah, I see you. you can, yeah. Okay, Adam, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, we wanted to get, I wanted to get Lenny on here to sh learn, you know, so people could hear more about her. She's a veteran of the U.S. Army. So when and why did you cho choose to join the Army, Lenny? Well, um, I joined in 2003, so there was a lot of, uh, Whoa. let's go kill the Iraqi propaganda BS going on when I was graduating. Mm -hmm. um, when I was graduating, I didn't want to go to college but I wanted to travel the world. And actually, my family history, we've had a generation in um, every um, major conflict since mm -hmm. the... Uh, uh, hello. Um, Civil War? <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm like, the Union. No, <laughs> uh, <welcome>. yes. <laughs> were, they, were they fighting for the North or the South? Uh, they were on the north, actually. We have we likely have the story. <laughs> they were in Minnesota. They were farmers. Oh, okay. And, yeah. So, fun fact: actually, my wife's family, she's African American. Uh, they're from Louisiana and are more likely to have owned slaves than my family. Oh wow! Do you, do you rub that in every once in a while? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> <laughs> like because, like, my last name, you know, she always like. Throws it out to the Hitler yeah. German last name. Yeah. So. Well, again, yeah. for the listeners who can't see her, she literally is a Hitler wet dream. She's yeah, a I know. tall, thin, white woman with blonde hair. Blue uh, eyes. Blue eyes. Like, even even in like a lot of these Nazi movies, like there's like a woman who's in their military. She always has like the short blonde hair too. Yeah. So you got I, that look I, going on. I'm the archetype. On. I'm the archetype. That's for yeah. sure. The gold, you might say the golden, after me. the golden I mean, child, might exactly. even say. <laughs> it's all coming together. Like the real golden child, the little fat <laughs> type. See, she just, she just married an African-American woman as cover. She's in deep cover, folks. You caught me, man. You caught me. Yeah. Holy shit. Adam is making moves and busting up theories. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not going to bring up the Anunnaki again. We, we can't. <laughs> but uh, I got some theories on some things. I'm hey, sure but... Mark can weave it in somehow. Dude, we can go down any uh, rabbit hole you want to because I was just about, Juan said he was the golden child. And I was about to just jump in before you started talking to say, Juan, 
is not the golden child. He's just the child that did the golden showers because he pisses so oh. much. Oh. Actually, Morgan, I didn't say that I was the golden child. <laughs> I said I looked like the golden child. But in my mind, the golden child looked like a little Buddha. That's kind of what, you know. Well, in his defense, Mark, and in his defense, he might be the golden child because he never grew. That's true. He stayed a child forever. That's true. It's like in Peter a lot Pan. of ways, yes. I didn't make it height wise past, past 12. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty happy about that <laughs> yeah i mean there are some advantages to it i was downtown on saturday and i walked into an i-beam in a parking garage and almost split my head open so there are advantages to being short Ooh. yeah it was Damn. quite painful first yeah. off what were you doing downtown i went to go get some ramen Second off, what kind of shoddy building <laughs> has a beam low enough for you to hit your head on? I mean, honestly, you're short what and tall. What kind of bougie town do you live in where you got to go in a parking garage to get ramen? <laughs> Actually, I mean, that might be where the best ramen is. I guess it's probably gourmet ramen. <laughs> it's gourmet, It's ramen made with, like... He probably knows, God knows what makes it with made with, it's made with human meat. That's what yeah. it is. It is. It's hundred percent. Like, why would you ask that, Adam? You know me. I have very eclectic tastes. I would try it. <laughs> I would try it. <laughs> you would. Okay. Well, I'll keep that in mind. We can go. I try any kind of meat. I mean, it's meat. Yeah, it is. I'll, I I just <laughs> don't want to know what what part of the animal it is. Just I'll eat it. Yeah, whatever. exactly. I, don't tell me where. It, as long as it tastes good, exactly. don't tell me where, where it's from, exactly. how it was made. I don't want to know how the sausage is made. I just want to know if it tastes good. Yeah. Okay. What in the hell <laughs> does that have to do with her being in the military? <laughs> Rabbit hole number one. <laughs> is Juan going to be the voice of reason today? Like, I'm not prepared for this. No, I'm not no, it's I need freezing to do over. some more substances or something. Yeah. <laughs> so. Body's a little too pure right now. <laughs> so, Lenny, uh, why did you choose the army over the other branches? Well... I, honestly, this is how I went. So, Marines are bullet sponges, it's known. Yeah. And I didn't want to be a bullet sponge with an active war happening. Mm-hmm. Then, the Navy, like, keeping them whites clean, I was like, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pig pen. Like, I, I get yeah. dirty too easy. Like, I, I, I can't do that summer white thing. So then that left me mm-hmm. the Air Force and the Army. Because, you know, the Coast Guard isn't really necessarily a branch. They say it is, but it's kind of yeah. like the Space Force at this point. Anyways, yeah. just kidding. Love oh, my shot, first shot fired. Um, <laughs> and guess what? So, They're not shooting back because they haven't got shit. Freaking Memorial Day weekend is when she chooses to, to shoot this shot. <laughs> like those people's lives don't matter. Right? So they don't count. Oh, I'm man. <laughs> Hey, George Bush was in the Coast Guard, okay? That's his legit... I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he was, so that he left the Air Force know. and the Army. Yeah. And um, the Air Force, they didn't call me back. So I was like, hey, Army, you make me a welder. I'll join you. And they're like, all right, you're a welder. Let's go. Cool. Oh, do you weld? Yeah. That's what I'm I meant a, about I'm the baddest fans, fence in town, man. She welded this thing. It's beautiful. It's thing at work, man. Yeah, I've actually been welding since I was 16 years old. I took a creative metals course in high school and I just I fell in love with welding. And so then I was like, welders make bank, man. I'll go like work the pipe fields. So I joined um, the army. I got uh, my army certifications for that. 
Um, I never finished my civilian with the Army because my A school got fast-tracked by two weeks, so I couldn't finish my testing, but I graduated first from my class. Yeah, I'm a really awesome welder, actually. Look, you're making but her then... head spin with this lingo, this A school <laughs> and all this. Well, she ended it nicely with, I was just the top of the class. We can just leave it at Yeah, that. exactly. She dropped that in, just like a layman's terms. A school is the asshole school at the top of that class. She's uh, like, but of the real people, I was the baddest asshole. <laughs> my bad my bad a school is your advanced training school so that's like where welders learn to be welders doctors learn to be doctors electricians okay. learn to be electricians where do uh, podcasters learn to be podcasters learn how to take bullets is like that a that. valuable skill is that a valuable skill in the military what was Podcasting? it I, the army does learn to be podcasters well <laughs> they do have a whole media core so, like, the people that run the PR, and then you have, mm-hmm. like, the band, and you have, I think they have a male choir as well. So, like, you could be on the Army band, and all you do is play at the White House, and you are all fat and happy. Wow. Uh, I've seen Good Morning Vietnam. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> like, I could join the Army to learn disc jockey skills <laughs> well that's that's with the media core like you gotta like we, there's the army has its own newspaper has its own media like tower broadcasting they make their own commercials like yeah i mean but you, but, you but, but, but do they do they have a calendar of women of the army like the israelis do i, I don't think they're that cool I mean, I don't know though. We we'd have to. Well, Mark would tend to agree. Search. Mark would tend to agree on that yeah, point. I, I might. Yeah, has he told you about his borderline obsession with the Israeli <laughs> Philippine female? I did make sure to listen to last week's podcast, so I am caught up on all of that. Did you look but into I, it though? Did you do some research on that? Um, I do not, but I am a world traveler, <laughs> and um, I do know that there are mighty fine-looking people all over this world that does not. Put a candlelight to Americans. <laughs> there you go. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you do as a welder? What did you weld exactly? You do TIG, MIG, stick. What are you doing? All of it. I'm currently working on a welding job <laughs> in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I know anything about it. <laughs> All of it, so work vehicles, buildings, whatever needed done? Um, yeah, so as far as, like, day-to-day operations, once I got to, like, my regular duty stations, mm-hmm. when I was in garrison, so, like, a permanent station, um, honestly, we mostly made barbecue pits. I'm not going to lie. That actually uh, sounds pretty <laughs> legit. Did you give them, like, little, like, like pigtails and, like, little ears? and? No. All that stuff? No. Oh, but we did make sh- grates from scratch. Wa- and Wasted we, opportunity right there. Um, <laughs> we did make a pig stick, uh, like a roaster, when we were in Iraq. But we get to that story later if you want. Ooh. Um, oh. Teaser. I like it. And then, um, and then we would also do, like, vehicle repairs because I was in a service and recovery unit. So, like, part of our job was to go pick up um, broken down... Um, tanks and vehicles that were in the field and then bring them back to like the motor pool or to a safety. And, mm-hmm. um, so some of our um, time was spent retrieving vehicles and then some of our time was spent fixing those vehicles that we retrieved, 
or doing modifications um, to existing vehicles and then barbecue pits. And then when I was in war, since I was in Iraq from 2004 to 2005, it was before vehicles had were actually armored. So mm-hmm. then my company, we just started up arming and Mad Maxing the fuck out of the Humvees and tanks and things like that. Oh, man, you were like B.A. Right. Baracus. <laughs> <laughs> just like turning a regular van into like some fucking bulletproof follow shit. Follow-up question. What hmm. can you do for my SUV? I'm, gonna, I'm not feeling very safe these days. <laughs> I know. I live, dude, in, I I live in a sketchy part of town. <laughs> I could, use, I could use some reinforcements. My sidestep broke and I need it welded. I was already like, oh, man, I got one. <laughs> I got a welder. I just don't know how to use it. <laughs> but I well. bought a cool mask. <laughs> yeah, the blind guy's going to weld. That would be interesting. Hmm. That's why I haven't tried it. <laughs> I wonder how the military is handling COVID. Speaking of masks, are they all know. having to wear masks? I don't know. I, most of the people that I was in, uh, most of them are out now, and I don't really, we don't really talk about that stuff. I don't know how active so like, doing it. So is like, so I was in, I was homeschooled, so I never even had the high school experience. But like, do you like have that kind of like, if you're everyone who was in the same class, they stay in touch for years on end. It was like the, um, that was the the senior class or your training class. I mean, I would say. I'm actually a terrible person to ask that. I'm sure maybe some people do. <laughs> you could have just said, I'm just, you could have just stopped it. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I mean, sometimes, you know, um, the girl's diverse. But uh, yeah, so like some of my friends like, like that I ended up like becoming really, really close to, like I still keep in touch with and talk with and, you know, nothing's like, really gone by without you know anyways um and then the other ones it's like oh yeah i used to know you hmm. okay <laughs> so it's, so just, it, it's just so there's not like reunions like or anything like that for um they do but i don't know like i'm not i don't try, like to spend my time that way my time's very valuable so i don't hmm. like I don't want to fill up with past. people from the past. Well, I mean, there's a reason I don't talk to them, right? Yeah. So exactly. yeah. why? Why? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't even go to my high school reunion, so I'm just that type of person. Me I guess. neither. Again, you were homeschooled. homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. Adam and I had the same high school reunions. <laughs> yeah. It's I called depression. Was it the same graduation as well? <laughs> like, how does homeschool graduation work? Like, your mom and dad just hands you a diploma? What? Basically. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to have those kind of shots today. Okay. <laughs> actually, I'll have you know, we I actually had, we had like this, because homeschoolers, they they all know each other. Oh, yeah. Cracker Barrel. So, <laughs> like a community of homeschoolers? My, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, community. Yeah, we run deep. Um, but uh, we actually, I had a, gra- like a graduation that was like bigger than most like high school classes because it was all the homeschool kids from all like the greater Houston area. So we all... So together. do you guys have reunions? Absolutely not, no. Because <laughs> I, I didn't really know any of them. Like, uh, yeah. We just, like, they were cheap and they wanted to buy one facility for, <laughs> for everyone's graduation. Yeah, That sounds homeschooly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you God. see him like, you know, two, three times a year, and you're like, hey, Josh, how's it going? Hey, pretty good, Mark. And that's all you know about him is that his, this dude's name is Josh, and that's about it. It's <laughs> definitely a, the lots of Joshes out there. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of biblical names. Yeah. Lots of biblical names. Who would have thought? Yeah. Yeah. Is there Surprise a correlation there? Thankfully, <laughs> though, I can't say. Yeah, there's no wands in the Bible. Go fuck yourself, Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I can't say though it was nice uh, being homeschooled and realizing just how like sheltered everybody else was and seeing how sheltered I wasn't. I was like, wow, I feel pretty normal. Yeah, you were the cool homeschool kid. No, I actually wasn't, but I didn't feel like <laughs> you, you, you weren't even the cool homeschool kid. No, I didn't. What am I doing here? <laughs> I'm ruining my credibility. <laughs> you can't be the cool homeschool kid. Whew. I was the most popular kid in high school, and I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> Give a shit. Actually, now I'm rethinking my th- comments. <laughs> you and I are starting to seem kind of cool. <laughs> I was you would have had to put up with me. It would have been awful. You would have hated it. Oh, dude, I can't even. Dude, if you and I were around the same age in First high off, school, if you my and parents were in high school together. You have flunked about twenty years with the high school, <laughs> so I'd be really concerned for you. Yeah, my parents would have been like, "You can't hang out with Wad. He's a bad influence <laughs> on you." There was a lot of those speeches, actually. <laughs> you know, like eventually, like the kid would come clean, like, "Well, I'm really not." supposed to talk to you yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm like really <laughs> Damn. so lady were you in rotc and all that stuff in high school no actually um i wasn't what did you do any extracurriculars i was in basketball you played sports, and swimming right? yeah, yeah i was in basketball and swimming in what position were you in basketball again center nice 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 mm-hmm. nice what would, you say was, what would you say was like the highlight of your game like your best aspect of your game like shooting best, rebounding oh, block um, shots rebounding and just defense in general I so was you really couldn't good defender. Shoot, get it um, yeah i mean that's why i was center i mean you know. fair that's why i didn't play <laughs> were you were you a good shooter like uh, in the army yeah um i i was an expert um uh, marksman shot, like Make sure your wife hears that. Say a little louder. <laughs> I scored expert on my marksmanship range. There we go. <laughs> I'm sure I can't. That's why I bought a 12 gauge. <laughs> yeah, I went. I, I've only actually been to a shooting range once in my entire life. Oh wow! I went with a buddy of mine. I hated it because it was so loud. But I was awful. This is before you wear I wore glasses. Wear earplugs. Oh, I had some, and it still was torture. Um, his soft it, little uh, homeschool leader. He had he, so he had like a forty-four right? caliber, which again I don't know anything about weapons, but he had this like it's got it's supposed to be super accurate. I couldn't hit the I could not hit the the target at all. And then he gives me like this old school like Civil War like pistol, mm-hmm. and I'm like nailing the target. I'm like Man, I was just like born too late. <laughs> <laughs> I went with Mark and was missing with like a sawed-off ten gauge, <laughs> like yeah. and my our buddy. Ben is shooting these clay targets with a 22. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm just missing everything. I later found out I had astigmatism in both my eyes. So, like, whenever I was trying to aim, it was just like bad, bad news bears. Oh, I know I had a bad astigmatism before I pulled the trigger. <laughs> I really feel bad, though, if I ever discharge this weapon because I've never even shot it. 
So oh, are you it's talking like, about a gun or your penis? Yeah, uh, oh, the gun, definitely. And uh, I haven't. Uh, don't fire her. Don't fire her. You should just, probably like take it to the range and you know put some rounds down it. I got the range in the backyard. I'm gonna just go shoot some coyotes. All right. Well, I mean, in their general direction, I would assume. Yeah, yeah. hopefully I don't hit anyone's houses. I don't think I will though. <laughs> wow. We're um, allowed to shoot up here, but. I mean, the house, the closest house is like a football field away in any direction. It would probably like it. Yeah, I mean. And I don't shoot slugs. I only shoot like birdshot and buckshot. So. I would still shoot. You're the a expert. Berm. I would shoot into a berm. Like, you yeah, know, it's safety best first. Safe. Is a berm but like that's a just me. chick or no? Um, no, it's like dirt. In a mound. I'm kidding. I know what a berm is. I just. Okay. Wow. I love well, fat. Sometimes we don't know. I know you love your fat chicks. I know. I definitely I do. <laughs> is this a well-known thing? I... Well, oh, wait, no. no I heard, so I, I, I listen to I've listened to every single podcast. So I actually I know oh, a God. lot about Mark okay. and Juan. So yeah, she's noticed there's a theme with. I Yvonne. actually have not. Um, missed oh, whatever, show. Israelite. <laughs> Secret Anunnaki <laughs> over here. Dude, he's a double agent. That's a fact. Just uh, no, like, no, no doubt about it. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. You just have to wait to find out. See, that's what a smart like double agent would say, right? No one's gonna believe I'm a double agent. What <laughs> for Kool Aid? Like, come on, man. <laughs> Juan, I think you're in fantastic shape. Don't talk to your, about yourself. Like <laughs> hey, that. round is the shape, man. <laughs> so it Le- is. I am an art teacher. Good job. Oh yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so Lenny, I hated how, art so much. How long did you serve, Lenny? Um, I ended up serving three and a half years. So I got hurt when I was in Iraq. So mm-hmm. I ended up getting medically discharged before my four-year contract was up. But I actually wanted to be a lifer. So I actually wanted to do twenty plus years. Holy hell! Yeah, my dad. My dad did six in the army and twenty six in the air force. So he's a lifer. Do you mind if I ask, like, how you got hurt, or is that like a sensitive topic? Or um, so essentially, I told my sergeant to kiss my ass a few days after my best friend died, Mm -hmm. and he didn't take it so well. So we got some more words, and then he ended up um take me to the office to write me up. And then my mentor, the like my fucking mentor, he comes in and he's like, Mila, I'm going to make an example out of you. And he had me on corrected tra- training for six hours. And mm-hmm. by the end exactly? of it, um, so I had to move it. So corrected training is supposed to be a on the spot physical corrective action that a soldier does in order to learn like, their lesson for whatever. Like doing push-ups for fucking Yeah, like up. push-ups, running, you know, squats. Oh, God, you know, it's like awful. Shit like that. Um, so, Juan's but, upset for you. But because I was, like, so pissed off and, like, I had this attitude, blah, 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 that the NCO mm. was trying to break, um, but he didn't realize that my will ain't that strong. Um, my body broke before my will type situation. Oh, mm. And so, um, I, he had me go like, it started off easy, like going out and getting some, some old sandbags that were out in like our parking lot that were all like busted up. And so me being the smart person that I am, I realized that all these sandbags have holes in them. So if I pick them up by the opposite end of the hole 
by the time I walked those sandbags back to where he wanted me to stack them, they'd be empty. Uh, I mean, and then um, a little bit of a smart ass. Right yeah. I mean, you know, I had no, been called that a that? time or two. I I call it working smarter, not harder. Personally, um, mm-hmm. so then he's like, "All right, I got your number. Go and like stack all these templates. No problem. Whatever." Then he had me like organize the maintenance tent. Okay, no problem. Whatever, and then. He had me move all of the metal in the shop from one side of the shop to the other without any help. And the metal that we had on hand was like 20 foot long um, angle iron that were like three inch by three inch. And there was that was like a stack of like 80. And then we had like two inch pipe that was in 20 foot length. Um, Two inch pipe also known as a one. (laughs) (laughs) Not in 20 foot lengths. Um, <laughs> and then we also had like a plate seal and things like that. So, um, so like, it was just like time fatigue. My body was wearing down. He mm-hmm. gave me like a little 30 minute lunch, but all I did was go to my room and like chug water and just like sat and was just fuming. And mm-hmm. then I went back, uh, and he's like, Oh, I see you still have an attitude. I'm like, yeah, you're a fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to break you. And I'm like, you can try. So then um, there was this generator that had been moved out by the Marines on this area that we'd just taken over. Um, not like forcefully, but like they, they moved out of that area, so we moved in. And um, it was about 2,000 sandbags in total that like was protecting this generator. And he's like, move all those sandbags onto pallets. And they were like fresh, good sandbags, so there was no cheating that system. So I picked up the, started moving all the sandbags and I got about like halfway through and then my legs started collapsing underneath me and I was in so much pain and I just, I couldn't get up. And so he comes over and he's like, why are you sitting down? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, sorry, I can't stand. And then I stood up, I tried to move one more bag and then my, my legs collapsed again. He's like, fine, go in. Um, I'll see you in the morning. And I was like, all right, whatever. So, um, I go, I rest up, and then um, over the next week, I'm, like, so much pain. Like, I just, and just, like, starts to, like, get worse and worse. So, like, I think it was about a week and a half after this incident, I went to the um, TMC where, like, the doctors were. And then they ended up shooting me with some Toradol, sending me back to work. And then this went on for, like, nine months where they, the TMC would just give me, like, painkillers and a modified, like, where, like, I um, wasn't supposed to wear my gear for long distances. But, like, there was, like, all this, like, profile stuff. And yeah. then when we get back, um, they're, like, your SI joint's fucked up. But they didn't figure that out for two and a half years after the initial incident. Wow. Your Sports Illustrated joint got fucked up? <laughs> exactly. That's so the only your, SI I know. <laughs> it's your sacroiliac joint. It's the joint between your tailbone and your hip. So uh-huh. mine um, is... It dislocates, and then the the pelvis and the tailbone end up riding on each other with every step. Ooh, ouch. Ouch. So they medically discharged me in 2006 for that. Okay. So, like, did you still get, like, the benefit of, like, don't you, if you, like, you serve the military, don't you get some kind of, like, uh, 
GI Bill for college and all that? Yeah, um, I I graduated college um, after I got out. Um, I used the GI Bill. I have no debt for college because that what what. Woo! Um, nice. Where'd you go to college? I went to actually. I went to U of H. I moved from California to Houston nice. to go to U of H. And then you so wait. I, time out. Time out. Hmm. Time out. Did you say you moved from California to Houston? To go to U of H. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm going to need an explanation of that. Well, that's uh, actually, that's a different story. That's like, um. Who'd a, you follow here? What's her name? Well, her actually, name? that's more of a June uh, LGBT story. Oh, um, we're saving that one. I was, was like, like, I was like, there's a deeper it, no, story it, it, here. It's, it's a super I deep story. It. And it's like, like my coming out story, so to say. Mm-hmm. So it's like, this isn't like the time to like rabbit hole into that one unless we're like going to record two podcasts at once and you know make this one june as well <laughs> we can easily make mark's life hell and have to edit all of this <laughs> no nah, i just leave it in <laughs> all right i, I was gonna say uh, that's just like the idea of leaving sunny california for houston so i was u of h i, I like lived so, in a, which, a real tier one university don't get me wrong but all right, so so without like going super deep into it, I lived in a super rural part, super Republican part of California. Um, I does, felt like does that exist? It does. It's a lot <laughs> oh, of California, yeah. actually. Really? Um, yeah. Yes, um, especially as you start going more towards Northern California. So then um, I felt like I was spinning my wheels going to college there, and I wasn't like I was I was depressed. I, I wasn't happy. So I just a friend of mine needed a roommate, and so mm-hmm. I just picked up and moved. Nice. That's oh. ballsy. That's like, a, that's a brave thing to do. Well, I mean, I, I did the same whenever I moved to Florida, but we don't need to go into that. I mean, oh, well, we're both brave. We, we These other two pussies, <laughs> I don't know what, where they get off even talking to us. Well, I mean, brave financially, folk. I was okay because um, I get a compensation for my injury from the military, my VA compensation for being hurt while I was in Iraq. And mm-hmm. so I didn't have to worry about finding a job or anything like that. So it's actually a lot easier for me to just pick up a move anytime I want mm-hmm. than the average person that doesn't have that um, benefit, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So you were. So the- would you recommend? I'm sorry, Mark. No, go ahead. No, go ahead, Adam. Was it, would you recommend somebody like right out of high school joining the, the military? Or would um, you say be cautious? I think it depends, like, what the political climate's doing. Like, obviously, yeah, like, political climate changes, like, you know, every four to eight years, depending on what's going on. Um, But if you're joining during wartime, I mean, I wouldn't tell my students. I would not tell all my students to join. There are some students that I can definitely pinpoint. They're college people. There's some students that are vocational trades type people. And there's other students where I'm like, you need to join the military because the structure, the camaraderie, what I see that you're looking for when you're in my class and interacting with others, you're going to find that in the military. My class? Hmm. Do you mean yoga class? No, I, I'm an <laughs> art teacher. Yeah, there's a lot of people in the yoga class that would well, do no, I was just kind, I was just trying to confirm that because for the listeners. No, I I teach high school art, but I teach uh, ceramics and sculpture. 
Wow, that's mm-hmm. cool. Oh yeah. So you see where did you work. pick up that skill? Um, I took ceramics in high school, and then my um, what I ended up graduating with U of H. So I went to U of H for engineering, mechanical engineering. They have a pretty good engineering program, mm-hmm. and then I ended up transferring into the sculpture department and getting my um, BFA in sculpture. Nice. So I, I have a studio's cool. art degree, and then I ended up getting my teacher certification um, after I graduated, and I've been teaching. It's a lot of fun. Cool. Yeah, my dad, I think, did something similar. He has, like, Bachelor of Fine Arts, and then he went to, like, he got his teaching certificate. I think he, like, I haven't actually asked him a whole lot about it because it's kind of like a forgotten period uh, before I existed, <laughs> well before I existed. But like, I think he taught like one semester. He's like, never again. See these little fucking hellions. <laughs> <laughs> and then he worked as like a... And then he had you. Like a, a, no, I was way down the road. <laughs> like, uh, then he, I think he went to work for like this oil and gas company making models. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's very art, like very crafty, very like um, artistic kind of a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got, I caught none of that from him at all. Like not even a little bit. Um, but um, I taught high school cheerleading for a little while. <laughs> of course you did one with your gymnastics. One, right? you interrupted <laughs> with the, the most uh, unfortunate comment. Well, I just uh, wanted to be a teacher too. That's all. <laughs> turn my straight, turn my straight male, slide. Male cheerleaders or female cheerleaders or a mix? Uh, it was mixed. I'm just gonna let the silence hang in the air. <laughs> Believe me, it, it was uh, it was not fun. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Nothing about it sounds fun. Cheerleading doesn't sound fun. It was probably Teaching less children. fun for them than you. Well, uh, I don't know. I feel like Juan might have liked certain aspects of it, but uh, we don't need to dive into that. Um, anyway, yeah, my dad so, couldn't, couldn't hang yeah. with the teaching. So, um, so you said you were deployed in Iraq for a year, about. Yeah, for exactly one year, 365 days. Oh, wow. So what was wow. Iraq like? It's hot in the summer, cold in the winter. No, um, <laughs> no, but it really is. Yeah. Uh, it's, <clears throat> so I was stationed in the um, Sunni Triangle mm-hmm. um, outside of Altaquatum. And so it's near Ramadi. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the... Um, Euphrates River goes nearby there. But so like you have spots that are really lush and green and then you have other spots that are like super sandy. Mm-hmm. And then because since I was there from um 2004-2005 uh from August to August, um it was during um like the Fallujah battles and the first elections and mm-hmm. all that. And so like a lot of the cities were just decimated. Like there was one week when we were firing our howitzers from my camp over to, um, I think it was into Fluja at that time. Um, and it was just day and night, just missile after missile after missile after missile. So like there is just a lot of destruction everywhere and it's sandy. And I mean, I don't know, but like, when you interact with the people, it's like they're just trying to live life. Like, yeah. you know, war isn't, it's like innocents get caught in the crosshairs, yes, because the way war is fought right now. But it's kind of like with coronavirus right now, right? Unless you're a frontline worker, you're not really 
in the action every day. You're not seeing everything going on. You're just chilling at home, drinking your tea, being like, ain't shit going on. You know, like, let me go to the store. You know, and the same thing during war. Like, for most of the population, you're just living day to day. And then, like, you have, like, the U.S. Army guarding roads and shutting roads down at times and running cars over. And, like, there's, like, all sorts of random stuff like that. Running was there a what it is is the people like you are sacrificing so the rest of us can have a a more normal life, I guess, and that's why it's really important. And I always felt because I came from a family, you know, grew up in the military and realized, you know, how much sacrifice those people make in in so many ways. Definitely, was there a bar on uh base, or did y'all have a bar y'all could go to off base? When I was in Iraq, we were dry, but Mike, you're my losing camp, me. Uh, the, the you're camp, not selling me on this story of the military the, thing ever. The ever, camp ever. that I was on was actually ran by the Marines, and so my unit was attached to the Marines. Um, and so for the Marines' birthday, they gave us a shot of Bacardi and two beers to each soldier. So that was really cool. Bacardi 151 or just Bacardi? Oh, damn. That will work. (laughs) I was going to say that and two beers. You're all right. (laughs) Yeah, 151 and two beers. That'll get the job done. That actually might be the perfect mix. And then my unit actually had My unit actually had a little bit left over. And so there was like some other holiday that they ended up busting it out for as well. I think it might have been Easter or something. And so, yeah, so like. Um, and then soldiers, they brew their own hooch, you know, like it's interesting at times mm. and um, people smuggle stuff in all the time, like in Listerine bottles and mayonnaise jars and things like that. So, you know, and baggies. <laughs> yes, exactly. The, that was floating around camp as well. <laughs> so what's base so- life like living on a base in the desert? Um, Honestly... It's a whole lot of boredom punctuated by an oh shit moment. Yeah. Uh huh. So, because like mostly, like my day had a routine. I'd get up, I'd do some like a light workout, eat breakfast, shower, go to work from nine to five. I'd have lunch in the middle, and then I would chill in the in the evening. Like I, at my camp, um, because it was a base camp, you know, it was well. You know, it was a stronghold. There was an air um, strip on that base. So, like, it was, you know, it wasn't, like, didn't have a movie theater or anything like that. Like, some of the bases or Burger King or anything like that. But um, uh, our base, you know, like, we built a boxing ring. We all, most of us had TVs and Xboxes. So, yeah. Hmm. So, you had enough to, like, keep yourself somewhat entertained. Occupied, yeah. Somewhere yeah, and then, like, there. we had, like, uh, we had an internet cafe where we could go and, like, talk to our family, like, either call them or video conference with them. And we had, uh, like, a workout um, tent, and um, we built a basketball court while we were there. Like, Sounds so, yeah, like a lot of activity. Yeah. I guess you good times. Oh, there, we, we built fine. a football field. There was oh, a football nice. field and a volleyball court. And we had, on nice. uh, actually, for Thanksgiving, we had a flag football uh, tournament for Thanksgiving. It was pretty cool. I would have just went for the tetherball, so. <laughs> <laughs> of course, what? Of course. Uh, one spot. So, 
everybody here knows me, so you know I'm going to ask a question like this. So what's the local food like, or did you have any? It's actually good. So um, when most of the time I was on base, but like I said earlier, I was on a service and recovery team, so sometimes we'd have to go pick up blown-up vehicles. Mm -hmm. And then because I was a female, actually um, the higher-ups at the time they found a loophole in the laws of Congress where women weren't allowed on the front lines. And they, as long as they attached a female from a different unit into an infantry unit, then the female wasn't considered on the front lines. So it was a workaround to Congress saying that women couldn't be in combat. And um, I was actually put on that Linus detail uh, when I was over there. So when I was on Linus detail, we worked with the Iraqi National Guards that um, my our unit was training, and um, we worked with the infantrymen, and we would do vehicle searches, personnel searches. We would um, go on raids and do um, female searches. Um, we were at the first um, uh, elections, um, patting down women, things like that, because we were trying to respect their customs and cultures where women could only touch women and men only men type situation. And so they're like, well, we're not allowed to have females on these front lines with us because Congress says they can't be in our unit. But if we attach them to our unit, they're not technically in our unit. So then we could take these women mm. with us. And then the inf but since there's no women in an infantry unit, they had to go to all the support units to get the females. So you had women who did not have infantry training doing infantry jobs. We had like yes, as a soldier, as a marine, as a seaman, you're trained as a fighter first. Yes, I get it. You get nine weeks of training in that, but you don't get like expertise training. And because where I was situated, we were actually with the Marines. Like the Marines function differently than the Army do. So like when the Marines would borrow the females, like information would get crossed. And it was there's a really good documentary called Linus on this. If you want to look it up, it was um, PBS. Wait, did what, a, what's the word? Because it sounds like you're saying Linus. It is. Like, Linus. Also, like, Linus. character. Lioness. Like a, like a female lion. Lioness. Okay. Like the so you already mentioned pig. You already mentioned pig pants. Are you talking about Linus? <laughs> <laughs> peanuts references all, peanuts. all day. <laughs> it's actually an extremely good documentary. I highly recommend. So, it. I'll check it out. It's very good. So yeah. So um. So I was I was so, on that team. So when I when I was on that team and we were working with the INGs, the Iraqi National Guards, as I just mentioned, um, they would bring their homemade lunch and they would share it with us sometimes, or we'd buy stuff off the truck that we just searched. And so I, I actually would eat <laughs> fresh local cuisine um, there when I was on duty station. As a civilian, after like nowadays, like say mm -hmm. tomorrow, like if you're like, hey, we're thinking about going like a uh, tourist uh, trip to Iraq, would you be like, yeah, let's do it? Or would you be like, uh, I've seen enough? Yeah, I'm good. I don't need to go back. <laughs> it's a country I, I can like say, yep, I, I don't, I'm, I'm good. I, I don't need to go back to that country. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. So did you ever participate in any combat? Um, define participate in any combat. Uh, did you ever have to use your weapon? No. Okay. You were shot at, though? Yes. <laughs> I've taken on sniper fire 
I've taken on indirect scatter fire, and I've had mortars blow up within five meters of. Yikes! Well, like, what was your reaction? Like, do you remember? Like, was it like? Because I've heard, like, I actually heard recently that like the people who are in the military and they see action, they're like, it's such a huge rush. Like, it's like it's life afterwards. It's kind of hard because like. They, they, they don't see anything that's like that ever again, not even close. I became, I got my motorcycle license when I got home, and I became an avid rock climber when I got home. So, yeah. So, you, so there's, there, when, it, when you are in war, you, you, you feed off the adrenaline rush. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, like the most times I got adrenaline rushes were, because when I was shot at, it was all un, un, unexpected. When I was shot mm-hmm. at, you know, you're just doing your task. And then, like, so, like, the, the sniper fire, we were just, um, I was talking with the LT outside of um, the checkpoint. And then I hear this right next to my head. And then, like, I see concrete, like, it, it was, like, dust. Because um, we had um, hasting um, barriers that were filled with sand and rock. So the bullet hit that. And so it sent the um dust forward and i'm like and then we stuck back in uh, into the safety of the concrete Mm -hmm. um and then we sent you know the big guns out and the krf went and tracked down the guy that was shooting us the next time so wait hold on i don't want to interrupt but like Mm -hmm. so if y'all had the big guns i don't remember ever being in iraq so i'm assuming you're referring to something completely different because I'm typically what's called the big guns. Well, so at the front of the checkpoint... I apologize be, for interrupting for that. <laughs> there, oh. no, there, there would be a... Um, I'm not a, happy with it. I'm not a Humvee with, with a 50 caliber attached to it. And maybe a Mark, um, a Mark 19, which shoots the M4 little grenades. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is a super fun gun to freaking shoot seriously hands down my favorite gun to shoot but um the so those vehicles and those crew it was called the quick reaction force or qrf they would Mm -hmm. go and figure out where the bullets and stuff were coming from and like chase down who was shooting us because we were at a checkpoint like a a permit checkpoint Mm -hmm. so we didn't go chasing down people because we had to stay at the checkpoint I love how she like suddenly was like, and then they went and found the guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so then, um, like, oh, from like when, when they would mortar us, they would be in like pickup trucks and they would shoot out of the back of the pickup truck. So then, like, there'd be like a car chase down into the city. Um, so, like, you know, things like, like that, that's, that's what I mean by the big guns. They would send the QRF guys after them. Okay. Yikes. So, have you seen any movies uh, that are about war in general, whether it's like Middle Eastern wars or other wars? That you would say like that's the most accurate to life uh, um, movie. Well, so I can't say for all wars because all wars are different. Um, I have a hard time watching more movies from my era. It fucks with my PTSD too much, um, and it's also like just watching more movies in general. Usually, I get triggered in one way or form. Like, I thought I'd be okay, like, even watching 1917, which is an amazing movie. But mm-hmm. it's it triggered my PTSD really bad um, in, for about a week or so, actually. Um, so, See, I'm actually so, yeah. surpri- I'm surprised not to ma- I'm surprised that you were able to watch my comedy because there's so much bombing happening. 
that I would figure that might trip different the, type of bombing. The PTSD. Different type of bombing. <laughs> yeah, one's what's worse, my comedy. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, he's actually not kidding. His comedy is that bad. No, oh, oh, only at times. Only at times. Yeah. Everyone gets the winner every now and then. Exactly. You win every time oh. with that Harry Potter joke. That's like one of the best leading no. jokes I've ever heard. Oh, it's all about getting people on your side right off the bat. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how? Like how? What? How did you get PTSD, or what led you to c- develop that? Or like, I don't know. I don't know um, exactly how to ask that question. Was there no, a certain it, it event, was, or was it just being in war? It it's just being in war. Like, there's a lot of big events. There's a lot of micro events. There's a lot of events that I'm like, how the fuck is that even an event, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um. But the culmination, the brain chemistry fuckery that happened during that time, like, that's what leads to PTSD. Like, there's a saying that goes back, at least to my knowledge, to the Vietnam War, but it could go back further. You don't come back from war unless you're crazy or you have PTSD. Mm -hmm. You can deny it, but even if your job is the safest job in the world, like, you're like, nah, it, nothing's going to blow me up. All I got to do is go from point A to point B every day. I'm super protected. Like, the stress alone of being in that type of situation where you're on guard, you never know if someone's going to come and kill you any given moment. You don't know if you're going to have to go and fight. You don't, have, you don't know what's next, but you know right now ain't shit happening. You're just chilling. You're sunbathing on top of a roof. Mm-hmm. you know type situation and <clears throat> so like it's that stress that actually messes up the mind it literally messes up the chemistry in the mind to where there's a non-stop loop in the fight or flight mode um so it's down to like the primal level of your system in your brain that gets fucked up and when that does it takes it takes so much work to Get your humanity back. Mm-hmm. So, how did you manage to? How did you? Well, when did you first start noticing that? And then, how did you learn how to cope with it? Like, what have you been done to cope um, and heal? So, when I was first getting out of the military, um, once so when I got back from Iraq, I got sent to a new unit, which is not uncommon. Mm-hmm. But that unit ended up. Um, coming down on deployment orders. So like basically seven months after I got back from Iraq, my new unit came down on orders to go back to Afghanistan. And, but um, because my back was all fucked up and I was on what the profile thing that I was telling you guys about earlier, mm-hmm. um, it made me non-deployable. So my unit got really mad at me. Like they ostracized me because I was now a liability. I was picking up a number uh, that a healthy body they could take to Afghanistan could be filling. And so during that time, I started to exhibit, well, A, it was right around that six-month mark from being back from Iraq. So like uh, where signs usually have shown of start showing up because normal life has pretty much resumed and, but you're not, the same and so issues are starting to like pile up 
And um, but I also had this ostracization for my unit. And so um, plus I had this pain that we didn't even know what the heck it was and I couldn't get it fixed. Right. So. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So it was right around then that I actually I started drinking really heavily. I thought about suicide for the first time. Like there, it was just like things where I'm like. Well, I mean, they sound good, but it doesn't really necessarily sound like me. What's going on here? And then um, I ended up seeing mental health at Fort Hood. Um, and then they were like, yeah, you, you need to take these pills and you need to come see us. A, the pills, like, were the worst thing ever. Like, it made, like, the front frontal lobe of my head tingle. And, like, it was so, like, it was terrible. I, I took one pill, never took them again. And then... These heifers, they called me back six months later to set up my appointment. I had already been discharged from the fucking army for three months when they called me to set up this mental health appointment. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, um, yeah, I'm not going to need you. Thanks. I'm good. So, but then when I was, um, I was seeing the VA in California for my back, and um, at the time, they had started implementing, like, PTSD, like, hot questions to, like, screen the patients when they came in for their other appointment. Mm -hmm. And I, I came up hot for all the questions. So they immediately sent me to mental health. <laughs> <laughs> and there is where my journey began. Um, no, but um, fast forward, like, four years. Mm -hmm. from when I first started seeing mental health. So I started seeing mental health in 2007 at the VA. And then I moved to Houston in, I think it was 2011. So during that, was that three, four years? I'm not good at math. That's four. Three years? Yeah, it's four years. Um, Seven to 11 is four. Okay. So in those four years, I, um, I did some one-on-one -on -one sessions. I saw a psychologist and a psychiatrist. They, like, put me on, you know, like, um, different antidepressants and sleep meds and things like that. And they uh, had me go to like group counseling, individual counseling, educational courses, things like that, where I just like learned what, what this is and, you know, like different ways to cope and also working on um, getting out. Um, I guess the secret of like, like cause it's, it's weird. Like they, when you get traumatized, there's, it's like a secret you're holding in a way. Because, mm -hmm. like, you experienced it. There may be one or other, two, three, a group of people with you that experience it. But, like, the trauma itself is uniquely yours. And so it's like the secret that you have. And so when you share your story about it, wrapped around it, like your philosophy that it is, it's freeing. It's no longer something that you have to hold down. It's very similar to, like, coming out of the closet or coming out as LGBT to, um, cis, uh, family members. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's trauma's interesting that way. And this, this trauma, this form of trauma is not just about war trauma. It's any trauma. Like it's someone being assaulted. It's someone thinking, being held up at gunpoint on the eight mile. Um, you know, so yeah, trauma's not but, um, trauma's not only happened in war. It's yeah, everywhere. it's universal. Like people are, 
they don't realize it maybe but like even this covid thing like it's traumatizing to people in a way that they don't realize yet oh yeah i mean there's lots of different factors to that with covid you know some people lose their jobs some people are losing relationships it's yep. stressful time a lot of uncertainty and fear you know and how you manage that you know how you choose to manage that or not manage that can affects your life exactly so so yeah so after i did um the groups and all that i ended up going to being a candidate for this um women only oif oie um retreat uh mm-hmm. like mental health retreat and i saw a lot of like i stopped actually having nightmares after that retreat it was really cool nice um i used to have night terrors and nightmares and after that retreat they they dissipated um it was really cool um so yeah and then when i was in houston i continued the va stuff for a little bit and then I just got to the point where my life, I was just too busy to like go to those appointments and I didn't see how they were helping me. And I also had transitioned, uh, started to transition away from pharmaceutical medicine into um, homeopathic uh, mm-hmm. medicine. So I started seeing energy healers and more chiropractic and acupuncturists and um, uh yeah, like the gamut of non But have you tried Western. the crystals yet? Yes, they actually work really well. Um, I really? made this amazing crystal map the first time, and it really opened up my root chakra. It was amazing. Mm. <laughs> True story. And can, can that help me sleep at night? <laughs> uh, actually, um, if, are you waking up like around 3 in the morning every night? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I missed a little bit of that. Oh, are you waking up around three in the morning every night? Yes. Like four, four or five, yeah. So it could be your liver meridian is blocked. And so if you go to an active Is that from drinking? They, um, I mean, <laughs> it probably, I don't know. But this explains everything. But we're talking about energy. So energy is a little different than the substances, but substances do alter energy. So they're kind of intertwined that way. But now we're getting more into, like, my wife's thing. Wow. So did you do art while you were in Deployed in Iraq still? Um, I made a, this cool-ass menorah, uh, menorah for this um, Jewish soldier so he could celebrate Hanukkah. That's awesome. And then when we made um, our Mad Max vehicles, we kind of, like, pretended like we were mad back sculptures and we would like you know like do like little crafty like yeah smart high polished you know uh individual pieces Dude, uh, so in, in a truck. way in a way it was art um and then like i said earlier we uh, made that um uh lamb spigot mm-hmm. so because on easter we we scored a lamb but then our um, first artist like, like the lamb's just got- running across the desert. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just being a lamb. No, you're not. You're being dinner, bitch. <laughs> uh, and then uh, so he asked us to weld up a spigot for it, and so it, it worked. It worked out. Um, it had some issues. It definitely was not our best work out of the shop. Um, We probably should have done some research and development on it, but considering it was last minute, uh, 
we they they made they made the roast work right. Yeah. Um, well, at least it was a lamb and not like a full boar. So. <laughs> <laughs> so and then um, what else? Like yeah, so like I would get we get as crafty as the mission would allow us, if that uh-huh. makes sense. But I mean, realistically, like at least in my unit, like like my actual little section, my little platoon, my little squad, where you want to call it. Yeah. Um, the welders were very, they, we were all craftsmen people. We all like had some sort of artistic voice, even if you wouldn't, if you would call it more tradesmen or craftsmen versus artists, right? Yeah. Um, so we would always like, we definitely believed in quality over quantity in our shop. Mm-hmm. And we would just like, yeah, we, we would do good stuff. Cool. So has, since you've got, you know, not wow since you're not in the military anymore has art been a way for you to cope with ptsd actually um for my, yes i it very much so um my whole entire senior thesis from college ended up being a collection of cathartic art um pieces that i um uh, made during my college my art college career mm-hmm. and it was it was crazy like because I, I would make like a pretty piece or a piece that the instructor was kind of like asking for but not saying he was asking for you know yeah. um and then i would make like these military themed pieces and like by the time i was putting together my senior show i looked at my body of work and i was like i did a whole series a whole collection on my military service and each piece like helped me like each piece came to me in the making during a time that I was working on that particular issue as I was going through my my work my journey to train myself for my PTSD. okay cool how were how what was the response when you came home like from people family friends strangers well, very patriotic, very like, oh, thank you for your service. Like my family, because, you know, as I said, you know, we're a big military family, you know, yes. like it's just another notch in the in the headboard on why I'm the golden child. You know, <laughs> I went to war and I came back. Um, I came back injured, but I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't out of the fight, you know, like so like. You know, there was all these things to where, like, I feel sometimes it was pity because I, I actually, um, when I first came back, I was in a wheelchair and I had, and I would walk with a cane as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a very long journey, um, to be where I am today. So, wow. um, so yeah, so it, it was, it was, it was interesting. Like, sometimes I felt like it was like pity. Sometimes yeah. I felt like it was just emptiness. That's what you've been trained by the puppets to say to people. Like when strangers say, oh, well, thank you for your service. Yeah. Um, or like corporations or whatever. Um, other times I felt it was gen- really genuine, genuine. And then sometimes I'm just like, okay, thanks. It was fun till it wasn't. Bye. <laughs> yeah. You never encountered anyone that had like an attitude about it because there were were like anti-war people. Because I know there was a lot of anti-war people, at least. Mm. It's one thing about being anti-war, but it's 
another thing about being anti-soldier marine airman mm-hmm. because like it, it's the same thing it, it's the same actual argument about being like anti anything honestly we're humans if you have if you know someone who's a veteran if you know someone who's a soldier if you know someone who's gay if you know someone who had an abortion you know you're gonna be like i mean they did it for their reasons they're good people we're, we're cool mm-hmm. with them but then out of the other side of your mouth you're gonna be like nah 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 what they don't need that nah fuck them <laughs> kill them all you know like so yeah. it's just like because like even in the military so you're trained to dehumanize the enemy so like when when you hear all these slurs being thrown around a some of it is from soldiers that return back because we've been trained to um like like the anti like muslim type situation right when mm-hmm. people were coming back from war um you know, a lot of that was soldiers because they were trained to dehumanize them. Like for a year, two years, some people did eight, nine plus tours, right? Yeah. So for however X many years, they're like, nah, this is the enemy. You killed the enemy, right? And then so you just drop them back into society. You're, you, you can't undo that coding that you just did. Right. The military is amazing at coding their message into their people like their proven way of breaking down the human psyche the human body and then building it up into the image that they want Mm -hmm. they're good at it that's that's how the military keeps people in the military and you just can't drop people who have been trained to dehumanize a whole entire race back home and not expect stuff like that to happen. And then then someone likes them, someone who who doesn't know, like, well, do I like, do I like Karen down the street? Do I not like Karen down the street? And then Bobby's like, nah, fuck Karen, because Karen did blah, blah, blah. And so then, you know, she's like, all right, well, fuck Karen then. And then that's how you get, it's, it's perpetual like that. Yeah. Yeah, but what's Mark's excuse for being so racist? <laughs> Here we go. No, but it goes back. Go. It, it goes back to the general dehumanizing of anything, right? Yeah. So you can dehumanize anything, and then that thing that's being dehumanized is going to look less than, and then so there, there's that superiority conflict that kicks in, and then you have the whole Stanford experiment happen. Right. Yeah. So that's so actually one last um question. Was there any particular thing on a tank or a vehicle that you did that you did work on that you were particularly proud of or you thought was pretty cool? That sticks out in your mind? I I've done some really cool stuff. Um so like we we ended up actually armoring and um putting guns onto our ambulances because they kept doing our ambulances. So that was pretty cool. And um, as far as tanks goes, there was this Bradley. So it's a personnel carrying um, vehicle, mm-hmm. uh, 113. Mm-hmm. And it, it had taken an IED, an, an improvised explosive device, um, on the road. And so, like, the side was, like, caved in, but it could still run and it was salvageable. So we actually ended up making a whole entire plate to like 
put over the side of the tank. So we used like, holy shit, it was like, I think it was three quarter inch steel plate. And we measured out where every single bolt, like side skirt bolt hole was. And like measured out the, the outside measurements of the side of the tank. And we just straight up bolted this three quarter inch sheet uh, <laughs> steel to the side of this Abrams or um, not Abrams, sorry, one one three Bradley one one three, and that's how we fixed it. <laughs> that's a hell of a bandage. Yeah. <laughs> so the so, skirt uh, bolt hole sounds like a good metal band. <laughs> <laughs> it actually does. So in the military, they still use standard measurement, not metric. Yeah, it's the American no, no, military. No, Mark, actually, we use Israeli we use metric military. system because we always lose the nine millimeter freaking wrench, uh-huh. and yeah, we so use metric. Kind of, so it's metric. Okay, I was just curious because, yeah. like, you know. That's something that's pretty, I mean, more and more now, like I've worked on my cars for years and it used to be like back 20 years ago when I started working on cars earlier, unless you bought like a foreign car, everything was standard. But now you, I like, I have a a Dodge now and it's all metric now. Mm. So I was just like, why can't everything just be metric? Oh, I agree. I was just curious because I would think, I mean, I don't know. I've never been in the military, but I would think that they would just go for something simple. And the metric system is just simple. Everything is in, you know things of 10 it just makes things everything so much i mean the military pays for like 12 items but they only actually receive 10 yeah (laughs) so they buy 10 things but it's usually for the price of 12 Mm -hmm. i I saw i saw adam's face he looked confused (laughs) i was just seeing the tattoo i was trying to read the tattoo on your wrist (laughs) oh it's actually um Arabic for lioness. Um, it's a reminder, actually. That's awesome. Yeah, suck on that, Mark, in your Hebrew <laughs> language. Wait, no, actually, no, no. It's so Arabic. seriously, you want, you want to know the funniest story, though? So I got this tattoo, and um, last year when I was teaching, um, I had a teacher assistant for, in one of my periods, and she actually she spoke um, Arabic, and so she could read Arabic. And so she saw my tattoo, and she's like, why do you have that on your wrist? And so I told her, she's like, okay. And she's like, well, lioness also means bitch, but in like the derogatory <laughs> term in Arabic. Nice. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> so I learned that um, this year. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. <laughs> that is. I was like, well, I mean, I could be a bitch. I'll, I'll wear it with pride. <laughs> well, you are female. So exactly. No, I'm just no. It's just just absolutely right. Just being honest. (laughs) I win. We all know. I I got no pride about it. It's that golden P. You can send all emails to wansmith989 at (laughs) gmail.com. I'm just saying they're winning. All right. (laughs) Always have, always will. It's not the Anaki. It's not the military. You got the women win. Hey, I never said that Anaki had a male or female uh, (laughs) sex. 
You're the one gendering the Anunnaki. I mean, I far be it for me. <laughs> he said to gingering. Yeah, he, I, that's what I was going to ask. Did you say gingering or is that wishful thinking, looks Adam? He like a ginger gnome. <laughs> uh, it's addressed in my comedy. You'd have to see it. So. I know, and I'm really looking forward the to it. The Anunnaki is addressed in your comedy? I haven't heard that bit yet. I'm working on it. So. <laughs> is it going to be how shitty your podcast co-host is? Oh. <laughs> you better make sure that all those people in the audience went to homeschool. They're not going to get that shit. <laughs> Look, <laughs> I do have some... going like, huh? Look, I do a joke. Or I used to do. I don't do it anymore. It sucked so bad every time I tried it. But I used to try to do a joke where the punchline was like, uh, had something to do with a gorgon. And oh. nobody knows oh, what the fuck yeah. a gorgon is unless you're homeschool, yeah. like, because you actually paid attention. Um, so. <laughs> It landed completely flat. It, and um, so, what's yeah. a gorgon? Medusa from Greek <laughs> mythology. She's a gorgon. Was, tell me more. You know, she like turns people into stone when they look at her. So it's not just Medusa. There's a whole race of things that they just didn't talk about. No, it's it's it's, it's like all Greek mythology and and um, there's like a whole group of this like. That uh, are like offspring of of gods, but basically, she could turn people into stone by just looking at them, and uh, that was well, the whole premise that. of the joke. Everyone knows that part, but where's the gorgon part come in? That's just what they're called. Like anyone that can turn someone into stone is a gorgon. Uh no, I think it was like just Medusa and like maybe a couple other female. Yeah, but, but what makes them a gods. gorgon? Like, like, what's the criteria of being a gorgon? I'm looking it up right now. Female demon gods? Dem- demigods. Oh, okay. So all female demigods are Gorgon? Uh, no, I don't think so. So basically you picked a topic that's just so complex. That- it's just obscure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't a great joke, but... Um, <laughs> the only and I want to ever- know, like, if you don't really know what a Gorgon is, how does this, like, fit into homeschooling? Homeschooling's no ner- homeschoolers no nerdy shit. Yeah, that is true. But you don't I don't I don't I don't feel that you really know what a gorgon is to be making jokes about a gorgon. <laughs> well, look, if I had to know stuff to make jokes about it, I wouldn't have any jokes. That's <laughs> 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 like a it's a rule. But like, like if if it's, Are you being you a wrist tattoo of- right now? <laughs> I mean Yeah, wait a second. Wait a second. She's not me about knowing something. You got bitch on your wrist. Are you coming after me? She's like, who's the I'm bitch now? I'm a mother. I'm a mother. I'm a child. <laughs> I don't know where we got to that point, but that was great. <laughs> so did you find any information, Adam? I'm looking or do up. you still know him about as much as Gorgons as you do about comedy? Like Perseus was like a, a character in Greek mythology, and like he's known as the Gorgon Slayer because mm-hmm. he killed Medusa. Let's see here. <laughs> you continue to look that up. So you said other people <laughs> in your family uh, served in the military. So did either mm-hmm. of your parents serve? My dad was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, during Vietnam, but he was stationed in the Atlantic, so he actually went and visited Greece and England and Germany, and he bought all this furniture and he stacked it all in the house. Like, yeah, 
So he had, he he enjoyed cruises during the Vietnam. So he just was on a cruise for however long. Okay, and then and then I had some uncles that were in Vietnam as well, um, but they were in the army, and so they were actually on the ground. Okay, I had three that were in the Marines, all saw action and all survived. So I know but they, but they definitely were not the same. Oh and no, never ha- and never happened. <laughs> no, definitely. Scary when the alcohol starts pouring. All right, <laughs> so Medusa in Greek mythology, <laughs> the most famous of the monstrous, <laughs> monstrous figures known as the Gorgons. She also had uh, was represented as a winged female creature having hair, uh, kind of like Satan. Head of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm not fucking crazy. <laughs> so, but click on Gorgon and what's Gorgon? That's what I'm doing right now. Gorgon, a monstrous figure. In Greek mythology, uh, Homer spoke of a single gorgon, a monster of the underworld. Later, Greek poet, uh, not even going to try to pronounce the name. Oh, really? Increased the, increased the number of gorgon to three. I knew there was only a couple of them. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the mighty, the far. So, gorgon means monster. That's what I no, just no, heard. So It's these three specific monsters, and Medusa's one of them. Okay. 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 Yeah. okay. Da- they're daughters of the sea god. I can't even pronounce this. It's not, dude. Come uh, on, you can Poseidon. pronounce. That. So they're all sisters. It's not. It's how would you pronounce P H O R C Y S? Very good question. I'm mm-hmm. an art teacher, not an English teacher, for a reason. <laughs> I was homeschooled, sweetheart. Don't talk to me about not being able to pronounce or spell things. That's our thing. That's kind of our thing. Yeah. So, uh, Lenny, I know your grandfather hmm. served, and he served in World War mm-hmm. II, correct? Yeah, um, he did. He was in the Navy as well. He was um, in the fire control um, on a E-class carrier. So it's an escort carrier. So it's not like one like the jumbo carriers, it's like a little small carrier that goes along with the fleet mm-hmm. um, for like extra airplanes and things like that. Okay. And so um, would- the ship that, he, or yeah, the ship that he was on, he was on the inaugural, uh, inaugural crew, and it was actually sunk off of Emo Jima uh, two nights before the raising of the flag of Emo Jima. So he actually watched the raising of Emo Jima from the hospital boat that picked up his crew. Oh, wow. Wow. Damn. Yeah, so I did a little bit of research into it. The ship he was on was the USS Bismarck Sea, and it was is that the one that that's got what you need. But they say they're just a friend. <laughs> Thanks, <No. Adam. laughs> Come on, folks! It's a perfectly good Bismarcky. Rap I'm going to give you props on a Bismarcky. That's thank you. That is not an easy one. That's you dug deep on that. Oh my God! After I got attacked on my. Gorgon stance? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I was only wondering what on the fuck too? a Gorgon was. I'm like, and you can't tell me what the fuck a Gorgon is. Actually, I just found a hole in your armor. What the actual answer is? My answer was pretty accurate, but I mean, I've been wrong before. Yeah, but <laughs> so I did look. The answer was a monster. Yeah, that's all you had to say was a monster, Adam. And there were three, three <laughs> monsters. Specifically, Medusa has to be one of them. <laughs> no one was lying. No one denied Medusa was part of the joke. I asked how. 
<laughs> I asked how Medusa was part of it. Not that I said She's she wasn't part of it. <laughs> She's one of the three sisters. Oh, so it's sisters. Okay. Yep. There's three of them. She's the queen of them, I guess. Whatever. You went from Bismarck to sisters in like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look, we're 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 touching all the obvious topics. Exactly, Bismarck, <laughs> uh, Medusa, the Gorgon. Yeah, uh, it's totally service. all been talked about when you reference the Bismarck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. first time I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so the- all these World War II uh, veterans are rolling over. <laughs> exactly, like not on our weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So the Bismarck Sea was the 40th of 50 Casablanca-class escort carriers built to serve the United States Navy during World War II. Uh, It was completed in 1944 and served in the support of the Philippines campaign and landings on Iwo Jima. And on the 21st of February, 1945, she sank off of Iwo Jima due to two kamikaze attacks. Uh, actually, I found I got curious because I was wondering. I was like, "How many aircraft carriers did the United States actually have during World War II?" Well, before the attack on Pearl Harbor, the United States had seven aircraft carriers, and by the end of the war, the United States Navy had ninety-seven light escort and full-size aircraft carriers. Rock, flag, and eagle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, 97? They were just yeah, like... Man, Detroit was booming back then. Man. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, my good, 97? That's insane. They built 90 extra ones. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but the Bismarck Sea... I wonder how many were sank. Uh, I didn't get a look at that. I know like some like the York- Oh really? You don't know everything about you everything you reference? <laughs> no, I didn't look into how many of the ninety seven sank. It was a pretty lengthy list there. Wrong answer. You're supposed to bullshit your answer some way. It was that's vague enough to where you can claim that you're correct. 133 later on. sank. There we go. Yeah. Much better. Much, much better. Now you're getting it. <laughs> yeah. So actually, Lenny was awesome enough to give me a uh, declassified report from Captain Pratt, uh, Captain John L. Pratt from the U.S. Navy. And he shares his account of the sinking of the Bismarck Sea, which I thought was pretty interesting how it happened. So on the 21st of February, it was operating as a part of support group two and three part of a task group that was supporting the invasion of Iwo Jima, and there were 20 miles off the eastward side of Iwo Jima. And in the formation, there were six of the escort carriers, and each of those ships, depending on the situation, would have like 25 to 35 aircraft on them. And during the day on the 21st, the Saratoga had been hit, and so... some of the Saratoga's planes were in the air and they were looking for a place to land. So they started landing on the Bismarck Sea. And, you know, because they had nowhere. I mean, that's the kind of shitty thing about aircraft carriers. You have these planes up in the air, one of them gets damaged, they can't land. You have to find other places to put them. So the Bismarck Sea, they said, hey, you know, bring your planes on here. So they started landing them and they were using the aircraft elevator to take the aircraft from the deck down into the hold to where they stored the aircraft and that was later on in the afternoon and that is when the kamikaze pilots 
decided, hey, we're going to go after this Bismarck Sea because this looked pretty inviting. So it was struck once by a kamikaze pilot, and it actually ran into one of the uh, aircraft elevators as it was in operation, and it broke the elevator, and so the whole elevator slammed down into the deck or down into the hangar below, and that knocked... Was there an airplane escalator just in case? No, actually there isn't. The elevator was out of, out of commission? Good joke, Adam. <laughs> yeah it can't all be golden yeah. <laughs> but you gotta try you gotta. yeah oh i'm gonna swing i'm gonna swing this <laughs> a lot hey if you're batting 300 you're a hall of famer yeah that's true <laughs> is it that way in comedy though no, no you, you have to do quite a bit better than that yeah so when the the elevator broke and the ship was hit by the first kamikaze, uh, you know, obviously it started a fire, but then it also knocked some torpedoes off of the racks. And that created, you know, the fire also severed one of the main uh, fire suppression system lines. And actually, your grandfather worked for the fire su- in the fire suppression, mm-hmm. didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So during that time... You know, there's this fire going, and they were starting to contain the fire. But then another, because of the fire, it was after the sun had set. So because of the fire, then another kamikaze pilot saw, you know, the ship on fire, and so hey, that made a really inviting. Tar- it, that made a really inviting target. So the second kamikaze pilot went down low, just above the water, and at that low height, it made it really difficult for the destroyers or any of the guns on the aircraft carrier to shoot him down. And he plowed into the other side of the aircraft carrier, and that explosion set off uh, the weapons inside, like the torpedoes and the other weapons, and the ship blew up, and it developed a list. So it started to sink, and it eventually sank after the list, and 318 sailors lost their lives during that. But thankfully, Lenny's grandfather was not one of them. But for the next... No, he lived. For the next 24 hours... There were destroyers and uh, other small ships that were, you know, in part of the rescue operation, picking up all the rest of the sailors out there in the water. And they had to do that overnight. Like, I, I hate the water. I'm not going to lie. I hate deep water. Like, the oh. idea of just, like, floating in the ocean overnight, waiting for rescue during a battle, wa- watching your ship burn, that just sounds awful <laughs> to me. My granddad picked up, I think, around six hours. Okay, so it was like in the middle of the night sometime. Yeah, but that's still treading water for six hours. Yeah. And, like, so the top of the deck, the sailors were jumping off from almost 80 feet height too into the water. Yeah. Damn. So, I mean, it it was, like, growing up, my granddad didn't really talk about it much. But when I came back from war, he, like, I don't know, something split when I was in Iraq. And, like, he started, like, looking up former people he was served with and trying to get reunions and, like, just getting reconnected to that part of his past. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back from Iraq, it was, like, really the first time that me and him really talked about any of that. So it was, like, it was interesting and cool and, like, I felt honored that he trusted me like that. Um, he, it was actually, it was, and like, I asked him because like, I knew that his ship has sunk once that I was like, Hey granddad, like, you know, 
you know, I've been struggling since I've been back with my PTSD and stuff. And um, I was like, well, you don't have it, but you, you, your ship sunk. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, it's not that I don't have it. It's you just, you keep moving on. You don't, you don't dwell in it. Like there's no time. You can't have Mm -hmm. a family. You can't, you can't continue on in life if you stay there. What did he do after the military? Um, he went back to Minnesota and he was a farmer for a bit. And then he moved to California and he became a construction worker. And eventually he retired and then he would build churches actually with, uh, with our church. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. So it it affected him, but it didn't, he didn't, he, he chose to do the, it chose to make the best of the situation and do the best that he could with his life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's always encouraging to me. Cause like, I mean, everybody is shared. Everybody has some sort of traumatic or tra- tragic thing happen in their life. Like I have one has, everybody does. And you know, that's basically the whole premise of this podcast. When Juan and I originally tar- talking about starting, it was like, you know, obviously we want to give people a reason to laugh and, give people, you know, an outlet to laugh or a way to, you know, distract from the negative things in life, especially now during this whole like COVID thing. But it's also a good encouragement. At least I want to, you know, the whole reason I wanted to do something for Memorial Day and have you on Lenny was because, you know, I wanted you to be able to share your story and hopefully give other people out there with some form of PTSD because everybody's going through something, you know, like we don't have to stay stuck in whatever our situation is. It's going to require hard work and, it's not going to be fun or enjoyable, but we can always develop and grow and heal. Like we're no, by no means should we ever believe that we are stuck somewhere. Yeah. Like a hundred percent agree. Uh, Mark, um, it's hard work though. Like seriously doing my PTSD work was harder than being shot at and being in war and always fearing for my life. Like, yeah. um, because in those situations, you know it's going to end. You know you can escape from it. But, like, when you are doing your journey work, when you're dealing with your past traumas, when you're trying to undo the coding of times gone past, um, it's it's hard work. Like, you don't know when that shit's going to end. And, honestly, it's up to you but you don't realize it's up to you until you realize it's up to you when it ends. And, but it it takes facing each entity that you're struggling with, like with it be your morale or if it be whatever. Um, it, it, it's hard. It's fucking hard. And honestly, a lot of people would rather learn coping mechanisms. Which is fine if you find a coping mechanism that is healthy. Um, But some people find coping mechanisms that are not healthy at all. And it's what makes messed up people in society. Yeah, unfortunately, the coping mechanisms that seem the easiest are typically ones that are pretty destructive. Yeah. Now let's not start judging people. No, I'm not judging them. And I'm when I see it, when I see it, I'm like, I was you at one time, boo. There's, mm-hmm. if you're willing to 
do that hard ass journey, there's a better life. It's it's crazy. Oh yeah. Hmm. And yeah, one thing from being, you know, going through my experiences in life, like I meet other people who have lost loved ones and tragic accidents and stuff like that. And they'll say, How have you, you know, adjusted so well? And I'm like, Well, you didn't see the seven years after, you know, the tragedy and how what yeah. my life was like. Like just because I look fine now and seem okay now, like, yeah, but that was fifteen years ago. You know And he did have a fat face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> How does that work? Was that a in? sad or a fat? Did, was fat. that fat or sad? I missed that. <laughs> uh, it was kind of both. It was fat and sad. <laughs> oh, but uh, he rebounded nicely. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Thanks for bringing. And that that's up. life, man. And it that's how life. it goes, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was. Yeah, that's just, you know, something I wanted to bring to this. Like, you know, on Memorial Day, I wanted to, you know, give everyone out there the reminder that, hey, you know, there are people out there giving, you know, sacrificing years of their lives so that we can live in this amazing country and we can enjoy the freedoms and the lifestyle that we do. We arguably, in my opinion, live in the best country on the planet. You know, we have just go ahead and say it other than israel just go ahead and say it <laughs> i was just waiting for that <laughs> and um it's you know like i really do appreciate it's not for me you know when i you know thank somebody who has served it always reminds me of ben you know one of my greatest friends who sadly lost his life and i'm you know super thankful for people like you lenny you know not only the fact that mm you know, that you're a part of my life because you're like one of my closest friends, but, you know, I'm super thankful that you survived a war. Love you too, boo. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there's times that I wish I didn't survive, but now I'm glad that I see that it was a blessing that I survived because there were many times, like, really close calls where I'm like, if I would have been two inches there or if I would have been on the other side of that concrete barrier, like, where I was just seconds before, like, there were, like, too many close calls Mm-hmm. For me not to know that there's a reason for me to be here today. Yeah. So. And I can understand what you were saying about not being able to turn that off, but everything is fine. And then a bullet just randomly goes by your head, but it's not random. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, how do you, I mean, yeah, like deprogramming yourself from being on that kind of alert. Or, I don't even know, man, that's, that's probably like a life journey, I guess, after that point. Yeah, I mean, I still get startled and I still get triggered. I'm not going to say I'm healed. I'm far from it. Um, But I am in such a better place than where I was at the beginning of my journey. Like, I I get triggered far less than I did even just two years ago today. Like, but if you go back to 2006, you know, know, like, Mm -hmm. I was getting triggered all the time, you know? So, like, I remember... Actually, in it was like early 2007. It was like right when I had moved back home. This guy that lived down the road from me, he um, stacked guard. He, he stacked like um, flagstone rocks, limestone rocks on top of each other because he thought they were pretty. Mm. But every time I had to drive by that house every day on the to leave my parents' house where I was staying, and it would always trigger. Oh, those are markers. There's uh, there's going to be IED. It's going to blow me up. To the point to where my mother one day stopped at that house, told her my situation, and mm-hmm. he took it shit down. Wow. 
Wow, that's like, respect. It was bad. That's really cool. So, and then, um, the super, like, full circle moment of that, though, was um, last year, I took a, a student um, travel trip to Peru. And we were on the island in the center of Lake Titicaca. I forget what the island's called. But anyways, um, the the farmers there, they have stacked rocks as well. But mm. theirs are for measurements. And so I was walking this cobblestone path and I saw them. And I saw the beauty in those stacked rocks. And so I didn't see them as a threat anymore. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's- so it was a real full circle circle moment for me those are some of like personally for me like those are some of my favorite moments when you've realized you've you know moved past something or you've you know healed have have found a certain level of healing and you're like whoa you know i you and it's typically in a moment where like you hadn't been thinking about it and it just the realization comes to you that's always a very peaceful feeling for me like i feel so much more at ease i'm like oh i've i've been working so hard to you know work on this or move past this or heal from this and then you're like oh cool and then it's time to move on to the next thing because i mean you know, life is a process. You're not going to be perfectly well adjusted. <laughs> nah, nah. And if someone tells you they are, motherfucking run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are super full of it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I can't eat a Funyun, but I at least can be around a can of it. Yes, that I is. I mean, it's not the same thing at all. Yeah, that is no, literally the two most traumatic things that have ever happened to Juan: Aquanet and Funyuns. He's had such a horrible life. Yeah, not 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 quite the struggles of most probably. <laughs> Hey, everyone has their own struggles. They don't have to necessarily look like anyone else's. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in that. That's true. <laughs> I would hate to think there's another. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us, Lenny. You're it, welcome. Thanks for having me. It was an absolute blast. And yeah, that's our show <laughs> on yeah, I, that I did not mean that as a pun. <laughs> It's okay, no one laughed. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Adam, just, like, Adam, Adam just started you, shaking buddy. his head. <laughs> so yeah, that was our show. And yeah, we'll be back next week with more uh awesomeness and hilarity. We have another guest coming in next week and we'll hear some more shitty jokes from Adam. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. Exactly. Nope, never. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Uh see y'all later. of vaginas.